So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for staying with us this morning. And as promised uh, in uh, the introduction to the programme, we said we'd have somebody on who was actually with us last Christmas, actually, to give us a beautiful reflection. Uh, welcome back again onto the programme, Martina Lahan Sheehan. How are you? Hello, John. I'm very well, thank God. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed for joining us again to give us a lovely little reflection this morning, hopefully on Easter Sunday. But before that, um, would you tell us a little bit about the work you're involved with yourself and your husband, Pat, please? Okay, okay. Well, the work I'm involved is hard to explain. We we spend a lot of time wondering whether the neighbours think we've we've lost the run of ourselves. (laughs) I used to I used to work full time as director of in a small retreat centre in Montanashi in Cork for 17 years, and I just finished there last month. (laughs) So so I've made I've made a big transition, and likewise with Pat, uh, my husband, he finished his work last year. And we're not retiring, we're refiring. So (laughs) we're (laughs) we're busy on the road at the moment doing retreats and giving talks and so on around the country and in England and Wales and so on. And also a little bit of one-to-one counselling and spiritual direction on that. But... um, when, when the neighbours say, what are you doing now? It's very hard to explain, especially since some of what we're doing has involved giving talks in missions and things like that. And when people hear about parish missions, they think of the missionaries of long ago. Um, so so we're a bit unusual, John, what we're doing. But anyway, mainly retreat work, um, reflection, parish reflections, missions, and one-to-one counselling and spiritual direction and that. But we've both... We've both finished our jobs, I think, since the last time I was speaking to you. Mm-hmm. And listen, Martina, thank you so much indeed for joining us, because I know you're very busy. I mean, as you mentioned yourself, around the country, and then uh, we are actually recording this on Tuesday of Holy Week. So you're off actually, I think, I think it's in the morning now, to do a retreat for the next few days in UK. So thank you again for, for offering and spending some time with us. Just one little thing now, just before we go into the reflection. You do um, send out quite a few... Sabbath Soul Space emails, I think it is, each week. Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Yeah. Well, for the last couple of years, we have, um, we just try to reclaim, I suppose, Sabbath and trying to keep it uh, a reflective day. And we write a little reflection every Sunday. And uh, there's a few hundred people on the emails at this stage, I'd say. And anybody who wants to be included in that will get a little uh, email with a reflection that we write ourselves every Sunday morning, usually. And it's just a few uh, thoughts for the week and a little a bit of nourishment, I suppose, just to help us through the week. So if anybody wants to um, receive that Sabbath reflection, they're more than welcome to uh, contact us and we'll put them on the list. And have you got any contact details you'd like to pass on to us there, please, Martina? So if they wanted to email us, um, we're at rua, that's R-U-A-H, 06, at aircom.net. Rua, R-U-A-H, 06 at aircom.net and if you wanted to email us um, you would be included on the list and you'll get that little reflection that we write every week, every Sunday. And, mm. and if people are getting any problems with that uh, connection, maybe if they're coming to contact myself here, um, John Keeley here doing Sacred Space and that is, if you can text us actually to the programme, it's 87 and I'll put you on to Martina or again, you can email us in the sacred space, 102 at gmail.com. 
Okay, so at this stage now, Martina, uh, thank you very much again for 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 joining us. And um, we did ask you to come on the programme and share with us reflection you, you'd like to give us on this Easter Sunday that would be appropriate. Where would you like to start, please? Uh, yeah, I suppose when, when I think of Easter or I think of resurrection, um, the immediate word that comes to me is hope. Um, now, I don't know, for me, I think there's two types of hope. There's hope with the big H, <laughs> where we have a very fixed expectation of what we want the outcome to be. And I think I had that um, sort of fixed expectation for many Easter's. And I was sort of missing the whole point of what uh, resurrection means. Now, I suppose, um, I'm sure there are many listeners uh, listening this Easter who are finding it hard to hope and are maybe even saying, what difference does resurrection make to my life? And I think that's a valid uh, question to ask. Um, But I think it's Emily Dickinson says that hope is a thing with feathers that perches in the soul. (laughs) I love that quotation because I think uh, Emily Dickinson is saying that hope is a very embodied and an internal thing. It's not something that is just historical or that is external, you know. Um, Very often maybe we we think something extraordinary must happen uh, at Easter Uh, to prove that Jesus has risen or whatever, you know. Whereas, in fact, this resurrection, um, I think, is something that we have to cooperate with, that we we sort of co-create. It's in everyday life. Uh, The poets often say that we get little intimations of eternity, meaning we get little moments of resurrection. And very often they're short-lived. And as we know, and as many of the listeners, I'm sure, listening this evening, are saying, well, life is touched with a bit of death. And life is touched with suffering. And every embrace has the vulnerability of a goodbye. And every um, everything has impermanence, I suppose, um, written into it at some limit, at some level. So, yes, we live within limits and we see a lot of chaos and a lot of suffering around us. Yet, I think it is in the kind of dappled place of the daily life that we need to look for these little intimations or glimpses of resurrection. I think resurrection sparkles where we least expect it. That has been my experience anyway. Um, I think uh, Patrick Kavanagh uh, says that often it's when our faces are downcast and our noses are in the rubble of our achievements and that we begin to hear the music behind the door. He calls it heaven's music. He calls it heaven's music behind the door. So I think that's something we have to kind of attune our ears to and that it has to become a daily practice really of listening for heaven's music uh, behind the door. And often it's in the, I think maybe those moments of birth are often in the death places. And I suppose nature is showing us that, you know. Um, I think like many others, I probably had a bit of an Old Testament God uh, for a lot of my life. You know, the in the Old Testament, the, the people of God believed they were the chosen ones. And if they had the right mark on the door, that the, there wouldn't be any suffering or death in their lives and that the angel of death would pass them. But that's not the that's not the Jesus, I think, that um that we celebrate at Easter. 
it's not a Jesus who kind of um, rewards the good and punishes the bad, or if you have the right mark on the door, or you have earned uh, salvation, that you're you're free of suffering. It's something very different, I think. I think the Jesus that comes to meet us at Easter with the wounds in his hands, you know, uh, the resurrected Jesus meets us in our woundedness. And we're all in this somewhere. It's None of us have the right mark on the door. We all know what failure is. We all know what pain is. We all know what disappointment is. Um, and I think it's right in there somewhere that we need to look for this um, hand of Christ, who I suppose, you know, sometimes maybe changes changes and transforms us, not always changing and transforming the situation, but changing and transforming us in the situation. That's certainly my kind of experience and my ongoing, I suppose, learning about Easter and resurrection and that, that it's more about, you know, the risen Christ bringing transformation out of the places that we call failure very often, or even the lost places in ourselves, you know. So when I think of of Easter or resurrection, I think more about, um, I suppose, having my eyes opened. That's what I would think of. and I often find myself praying in Holy Week, you know, for the, the stone to be rolled away from the tomb of my own heart and my own eyes so that I see differently. You know, there's a story about uh, the old monk kind of giving out about the young monk coming back from another retreat or uh, another prayer meeting or something. And the old monk says to him, you know, what's the point in all this prayer and belief and so on that you're doing? I don't see you any different. And the young monk said, mm, maybe not, but I see you different. And I suppose, I think um, it's something about seeing, how we see. And there's a choice. I mean, you know, the resurrection has happened. Jesus has died for us and risen for us. And we have to kind of choose that way of seeing, the resurrection way of seeing every day. Um, every day. I I remember, I know I've often shared this, um, one Easter Sunday morning and I was, uh, my job was to prepare a liturgy uh, on Easter Sunday morning for the Easter ceremonies and it was a a few months, six months after my own mother's death and very often in those times it's not easy to see resurrection, you know, and I was sitting in the garden uh, trying to write a reflection for the morning and I couldn't think of anything and I thought, sure, I don't see any signs of resurrection in my life at the moment and so on. And next thing, a little butterfly uh, landed on my page where I was trying to think of something and um I got very excited and I was a bit like the women running to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning and I wanted to run to tell somebody about my little butterfly and I ran into the house uh, where I was working at the time and I met this man and I, I told him about my, my the butterfly and he scratched his head and he said, yeah, mm, that kind of happens all right. He said, yeah, that, what that was now I'd say was an all winter moth uh, looking for somewhere to die. And my little um, Easter butterfly died on the spot. (laughs) So I said to myself, you know, gosh, we have a choice to either see the little miracles as winter moths waiting to die 
are little butterflies that are symbols of transformation. And this choice comes every day. Uh, Pope Francis says in the resurrected life, he said, always beware of sourpusses. <laughs> and he's referring to sourpusses as those of us who who don't look for the resurrection, I suppose, in, in ordinary lives, really. And, you know, we could even do all the ceremonies, and uh, and that's wonderful, and we need to do them. Um, but we could exhaust ourselves doing all the ceremonies, and they might still not change us. We might still not make eye contact with this Jesus, you know, that wants to rise within our hearts. That it's not just something historical, that it's not something that happened back then, but that it's something that happens now in the core of our being. Even though the top layer of our lives might still be difficult, there might be enormous challenges, um, but I suppose resurrection, something Julian of said when she says that under all of that you know all will be well and all manners of things will be well and Julian of Norwich says that even the mark of sin will be turned to glory so there's something about um, even though the chaos can continue at the top layer that there it's something about a way of seeing and a way of believing that transformation um, is something that can happen if we open to it And this isn't something we can do with willpower. And it's not something just about the next life. It's not, resurrection isn't about, oh, we'll have resurrection in the next life. I think it's something about the abundant life now, available right now. Even in the most challenging situations, there can be an invitation to a glimpse of the abundant life. And we might have to slow down a bit because very often we're missing the little miracles um, of that risen life. So I suppose when I think of resurrection now, I think of something that must happen in the core of my being. Um, I think that it has happened historically and it must happen now again through me. And I must in some ways co-create it, this, this resurrected life. Um, but I know hope is difficult, you know. We can get very used to misery. <laughs> it can become It can become a comfortable old hammock you know, even we're told, you know, the Israelites when they were um, uh, moving from the land of slavery uh, and they were in the desert moving towards the promised land, they started complaining and saying that they wanted to go back into slavery. That was better than this unfamiliar place. So we have to, I guess, practice opening to the unfamiliar place, to the abundant life. And if we're honest, we have an attraction to it and we have a bit of resistance to because it changes us and it moves us beyond our comfort zone and we tend to defend against what we don't know. And the resurrected life is about growth and it's about expansion, I think. And it's about uh, an attitude. I heard two women talking um, not so long ago and one of them said to the other, gosh, isn't it a beautiful sunny morning? Isn't it beautiful? And the other woman said, oh, yeah, we'll pay for this later in the year, though. And and I could identify (laughs) with that kind of habit of sort of being a wet blanket, you know, killing the new life. Um, And I suppose, you know, we've got nearly evolutionary wired for it, really, to watch for danger, to watch for things that could go wrong. So a bit of a negative bias. And yet Jesus invites us to, to... 
look for the light and to know that we are called to be that light. That we are to call to look for the light and to be that. There are many people, maybe this Easter, who are really struggling to see light in their present situation. And and I would say to them, you know, to that real faith is believing that there is light even while it's still dark. Is light and kind of choosing it with your attitude and and your hope. And it's like nurturing it, nurturing that hope and giving yourself a little bit of stillness and going in, into the heart to feel that even in the most difficult situations like nature, we do we do recover and the that cycle of renewal um is the resurrected life within us. And it really brings me to the words of one of my favorite songs that I asked Pat to learn and sing. <laughs> and it's the, the words of the song, The Rose. And I think it's one of my because it's all about the hope of resurrection, especially those words. And I'd love to sort of send them, if, if you could use that word, to anybody um, who this Easter feels that the road has been long and that they're not able to see resurrection in their lives um, and I think the words go something like when the night has been too lonely and the road has been too long and you fear that love is only for the lucky and the strong just remember in the winter or beneath the bitter snow lies the seed that love in the spring becomes the rose Martina, thank you so much for that. And with that, we might just go out and listen to your husband Pat singing The Rose. Some say love It is a Learns to die 
Become. 